Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. As we turn the calendar into the year 2023, we'll be commemorating 20 years in the life of Rolling Hills Community Church. Anniversaries offer us the chance to reflect on where we've been, where we are now, and where we hope to go. Our church's calling has always been to be a people of God, reaching out, growing up, and giving all. How has God brought this vision to life in the past, and how can we continue pressing toward this vision in the future? Join us this January as we celebrate the testimonies, salvations, baptisms, miracles, and life change which has marked the last 20 years as Rolling Hills. Now, let's tune in. also happy new year. Um, we're just in the first week of the year, so this is still a super safe time to say happy new year. Perhaps you're somebody that's already started on your goals or resolutions or ideas about what's going to make this year your very best one yet, or perhaps you're a little delayed in that process. Well, there's no delay. You can actually start that at any time, like new goals, new processes, new ideas. You can begin those any moments. In fact, the, the two most popular times to, to make those goals in anybody's life are at the start of a brand new year, like January 1st, or at the start of a brand new year for you. So like when you have your birthday. Um, so January is actually the birthday month for Rolling Hills Community Church. We're turning 20 years old this year. Happy birthday to us. This is exciting. This is like a banner milestone birthday. Today is also my mom's birthday. Um, she doesn't live here, so you don't have to wish her happy birthday or anything. Um, and I'm not going to, this is being recorded, so I'm not going to tell you which birthday it is. Um, but it, today is her birthday. Um, and so happy birthday to her. Like when I was a kid, um, I grew up in the life of a local church. Um, and our local church had what maybe some of you have experienced before, these big wooden pews that people sat on, these giant benches. And mercifully, ours had cushions on the bottom, but the backs were pretty hard. We would go to church every single Sunday. My mom and dad would take us. And we would go to this thing called Sunday school beforehand. And it was a little class for kids. And we did play games and we learned songs and Bible stories and, and did crafts and things like that. And our parents would pick us up and then they would take us to what we referred to as big church. This would be called big church. In fact, in conversation, sometimes I still call this big church on a Sunday morning. And we were noisy and there was really nothing to keep us um, paying attention for the day. So my mom would take the back of the worship guide, which we called a bulletin, and she would do this grid of dots and then hand it to my sister and I. And with pens, we would kneel down at the benches and play a game called Connect the Dots. And whenever you drew the fourth wall of one of the boxes on the grid, you got to put your initial inside of it. And I was older by two and a half years than my sister and also developmentally more advanced in the moment. And so I often won this game. And there were far more Nicholas initials on the grid than on hers. And I don't, it certainly wasn't a way to help us pay attention to the sermon, but it was definitively a way to keep us quiet during the middle of it. We would play Connect the Dots. And that idea has stuck with me. 
Because now I feel like that's what my ministry and that's what this, this call that God has placed on my life to serve in this capacity and to sit in this seat is to help people connect the dots, to find parts of this book, this really 66 books all in a row with different types of literature and different types of moments. Like we've got wisdom books in here. And if you're reading a wisdom book looking for historical accuracy, you're going to come up definitively lost. And if you're reading a historical book looking for something that's a little bit more poetic, you're going to come up definitively lost. But this book somehow fits together. And I think that one of the things we do when we come in here on Sunday mornings is to connect the dots. And that's our aim today at the start of this series for you to be able to do that. We're going to look at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and then we're going to bounce into the New Testament book of Acts. And then we're going to come back to the book of Ecclesiastes and then a little more Acts because somewhere along the way, we're going to be able to connect the dots. And I want you to put your initial inside it to say, I get it. I understand what this means and how I am supposed to go and live because of what the Word of God says. That's our goal today, and it's in the powerful name of the Holy Spirit. That's what we just sang about, that we make it. Let's pray together this morning as we start. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance to be in this spot as we look at a brand new year and as we imagine what our lives can look like. Let it be in tune with your Word. By the power of your spirit, nothing inside of us figuring it out on our own, but God, by your powerful spirit, an often ignored part of the Trinity, we get, we say, God, you're our father, you're our creator, you're our life giver. We know that you gave Jesus. He's the son, he's the sacrifice, he's the savior. And we often forget to include and understand that the spirit we just sang about is given to us as a way that we might know you and understand you. And so, God, by the power of your spirit today, we ask that you would help us to understand your word, that you would connect the dots in our minds between these pages in our lives, that we might better be the people of God that you've called us to be. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray today. Amen. So the start of a brand new year is often a moment where people are looking at goals and they put them in categories and they're thinking to themselves, okay, I'm going to have this financial goal and I'm going to have this physical goal and I'm going to have a spiritual goal and I'm going to have a relationship goal. And we call them goals because we don't like to say resolutions because resolutions feels like a really hard word that we're going to have to keep up with. And we know come February 1st, we're not going to be doing it. And so goals are just a better word to look at. And some of us even pick a word for the year. And that's going to be the thing that governs everything about what you do and, and who you are. And, and what it means, the start of a new year for us is often a time, it's in your notes this morning, to reflect and to refocus. We want to reflect and look back on the previous year, everything that 2022 was and had to offer to us and say, these are the things that went really well. These are the goals that I achieved. These are the opportunities that I had. And these are the mess ups and the failures and the struggles that I endured. So let's pick and choose what I'm going to take with me as I refocus my, my heart and my attention on what matters most in 2023. In the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll recognize these words, maybe not because you've read Ecclesiastes chapter three, but because you know that there was a song that literally took these words in the 1970s to everything there is a season a time a time a time and it says in verse 5 that there's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to search and a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away these couplets of what we're given a time for this and a time for this a time for this and a time for this give us this parameter for the way that we're supposed to live and i read these words and i'm like okay so there's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them we're not painting on rocks here like little crafts so like we write our name and initials and put it in the woods so that hopefully one day somebody can find it and take a picture of it and put it on their instagram we're also not landscaping um, i'm on pinterest 
Um, this is clearly the year where I'm going to confess more things about myself than I probably should. Don't judge me. I'm on it. Like, I'm on it hard. Like, I'm on Pinterest. And I have this whole board that's saved to it, and it's called Outdoor Love. And it's literally all the things that I imagine one day being able to have the time and the money and the resources to do to, like, landscape our yard and to have, like, an arch and to have patio furniture. If you look on my Facebook feed over to the side where it gives you ads that only you will be interested in, it's patio furniture. Like, things where you can have outdoor living and, like, landscaped yards and beautiful gardens where we grow our own stuff. Like, like I'm on it. That's not what this is. Like Ecclesiastes is not giving us 2023 landscaping advice. This whole picture of scattering stones and gathering stones meant something to a people that we don't quite understand because our society today is not quite like their society was way back then. In this agrarian culture, they were farmers and they were dependent on being able to cultivate land to provide for their families and the neighboring communities. And it was a, a rocky terrain in Israel where they lived. So the idea of gathering stones wasn't because you wanted to make an edge around your border to keep the weeds out of your flower beds. You had to move the stones so that you could plant the crop. You looked at the plot of land that God had given you and figured out that there were a whole bunch of boulders in the middle of it, and you had to get those big, heavy stones and rocks out of the way so that you could plant a garden in its place. When I'm looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm imagining that you and I have some things in our life that we've got to get out of the way so that we can grow. That picture of scattering stones wasn't putting them in the right place because you want to throw them out there and you need No. Scattering stones was warfare. It was a picture of going to a community that you were trying to conquer and taking big stones and throwing it onto all of their crops and all of their lands because you were basically going to starve the community that you were trying to overtake. And you were also going to distract the community that you were trying to overtake because while all those men who were of fighting age should have been coming at you to defend their land, they were busy moving the rocks so that they could still have crops to feed their wives and children and too busy to fight because they're moving. And also too tired because rocks are heavy. It was a really good war strategy. So sometimes there comes a moment in our lives where we're not just moving the boulders out of the way so that we can plant a crop and so that we can grow. Sometimes we have to go on the attack. Do not hear me say that there are people outside of these rooms that you need to attack because this is not your Twitter war. But maybe there's something in here, a part of your flesh a part of your sin, a part of your shame, and a part of your struggle that, that, that you just can't cohabitate with anymore. You've got to attack it and remove it in order to plant good seeds of hope and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can be his mature, devoted follower. There are lots of point of this reference in this verse that remind us of the things that we're supposed to reflect on. And supposed to refocus our attention towards, think about a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. This is not a picture of physical touch, although some of us would have read that verse a couple of years ago and said, look, there's a global pandemic. Some days we need to hug and some days we need to stay six feet apart and wear masks. It happens. This was not a prophetic word about that time in our lives. But there are relationships that we need to invest in, ones that we need to dive into, ones that we need to cling to, those that spurn us closer to Jesus Christ and those that provide us an opportunity to give him glory and to reach other people for faith. But there's also probably some toxic ones that you want to take a step back from. There are probably some things that we need to lean into and probably some things that we need to step back from in order to refocus our hearts and our minds and our lives on Jesus. We get to celebrate at the start of any new year. I hope you had a great New Year's Eve and that you celebrated big, the changing of the clock and what was going. I ask you this question and there's an opportunity to write down the answer on your notes. 
what are you leaving and what are you keeping from 2022? What are the rocks that you need to move and the distractions that you need to get rid of? What's the sin that you've got to all out attack in order to remove it from your life so that you can grow a good crop and focus on what God wants to do in your life this year? Where is your attention leaning in 2023? What are you focusing in on and, and, and what matters the most? If you skip over to the book of Acts, Jesus' final words, literally the last words that we have recorded that Jesus said before he ascended back up into heaven to prepare a place for all of us who are in Christ Jesus, the last things that he said, his final words are to frame our focus still today. Like those final words are to frame who we are even now, several thousand years later. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit given to us as a gift to help us understand what this word means, to prompt us to follow Jesus even when he goes and takes us hard places. That Holy Spirit is a gift that endows us with gifts of our own that we might use for the glory of God. When that Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Here in Jerusalem, he's telling them about their home base, but then also in Judea, the neighboring town, and then Samaria, the greater region of people that are not like them, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. The mission statement for Rolling Hills for all 20 years that we've been alive as a church is this. Rolling Hills Community Church exists. Like the reason why we're here, the reason why we were planted is to bring glory to God. And you could put a period at the end of that sentence and just be like, but that's it. Like, that's it. The reason why we exist is to bring glory to God. The reason why this church is here, the reason why all of our campuses are present in the communities where they are, the reason why each of us are here as individual believers and Christ followers, the reason why we have families, the reason why we get married, the reason why we get jobs, like everything that we do and everything that we are is to bring glory to God. But we didn't stop the sentence there. We wanted to explain it a little more by reaching people for Christ and nurturing them in faith through inspired worship, genuine community, and passionate ministry that transforms lives, like people's lives are changed in our neighborhoods and then around the world, in our Jerusalem, and then all over the world. Sometimes at our staff meetings, we're, in, we're, we're required to recite that mission statement, and if you can be the first one to do it and raise your hand and get it all right, you get a gift card. Um, I win sometimes. <laughs> Like, actually a lot. Like, I'm, I'm often the person that raises their hands and can quote the whole mission statement. I get a Starbucks gift card out of it, which is real good, and I'm always really excited about that coffee. That's our mission statement, but it's a lot to memorize. Like, it will be a lot for you guys. So we have this vision statement that's a lot shorter. It would fit on a T-shirt in a font that would be easily read by others. It's a people of God reaching out, growing up, and giving our all. Why? Because we exist to bring glory to God. And so that vision statement is literally what we're going through this month to reflect on where we've been, not just this last year, but for all 20 years, but also to retool ourselves and to, to refocus on where we're going, specifically at the Nashville campus. We've existed for four and a half years. Like we're coming up on a special birthday too next year. We'll be five and that's super exciting as a campus. And I can't wait to see all the things that God is going to do. In 2022 alone, we saw 11 people go into the water that's right behind me. Actually, there is no water right behind me, but there's a tub, and we'll fill it anytime y'all are ready. We saw 11 people go into the water to publicly declare their faith in Christ and that they were a believer in Jesus. Like, that baptism was special. Every single 
one of them. We saw 29 people attend an Explore Rolling Hills class and learn what it means to be a partner and to sign a covenant to say, okay, I'm going to link arms with this church. This is going to be my family. I'm committed to that mission statement that I have not memorized yet, but I read it and I like it and I'm committed to it. Like I want to be part of the team of people who exist to bring glory to God by reaching people for Christ and nurturing them in the faith through inspired worship. They do a good job up here. Through genuine community, join a group, be a part of a team, and passionate ministry, use your gifts to serve so that we can see God do amazing things to transform lives right here in this neighborhood, right here in West Nashville, and then all over this region and ultimately around the world. That's our goal, and we've still got stuff to do. As a church, we can celebrate all the things that we've done. As a campus, we can celebrate all the things that we've experienced, but we know that there's still some rocks that we need to move. We also know that there's some stuff that we've got to absolutely attack and get rid of. We also know that there are some relationships that we need to dive into on a, on a more deep level. Like there's some things that we've got to do as a people to continue growing, to continue seeing people come to faith in Christ. Because today is all about this idea of reaching out. Turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. It follows Acts chapter 3 and I'll tell you what happened there. Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples that he said those words to in Acts 1-8, were literally going into the temple area. They were walking into the courts past a gate that was called Beautiful. And there was a man that was there basically every single day, lame from birth. He couldn't walk, couldn't stand, couldn't sit up. People would bring him there, deposit him in that spot, and he would beg for money all day long. And so in Acts chapter 3, he begged for some resources from Peter and John. And he looked over at him and he said, hey, silver and gold I do not have. And can I get an Amen. Some of y'all are like, oh, I need some financial goals for this new year because silver and gold I do not have. But the next part, Peter said, but what I do have, I give you. And we just sang about it. Joel just read about it. What we do have is better than gold. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you go ahead and get on up and walk. And the guy was healed. And people noticed it, like, hey, that's the guy that's never walked before, and now all of a sudden he's walking. We want to know what transpired. And so Peter seized the moment to be God's witness, to, to bear witness, to testify to what he knew about Jesus. And he began preaching, and people's lives were changed. And in Acts chapter 4, it continued. It says the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Like, high-up leadership is now taking notice of what is happening. And it says that they were great disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead now there's a sidebar moment that I have to take because in Acts chapter 3 Peter looked at the guy and says in the name of Jesus Christ that word matters that word Christ is not just his last name and we want to identify who it is we're speaking about it's who he was it means Messiah it means Savior he's not saying in the name of Jesus who was a really good moral teacher in the name of Jesus, who really was a revolutionary leader. In the name of Jesus, who died a few weeks ago, but did some really good things while he was here. No, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. And I laugh because yesterday, you know, there were people watching football games all over the country. Like I talked about Pinterest and now I'm talking about football. I'm an enigma, okay? Like literally... <laughs> People are looking at their screens and they're yelling the name Jesus Christ. And we know what they mean when they do. And I think it's such an irony that's there because Jesus is the Christ. And they are certainly breaking one of the Ten Commandments by taking that name in vain and speaking it in an ill manner that it should not be taken or used. But in the same breath, they're saying Jesus is 
the Messiah. We don't ascribe and give ourselves and exist as a church to bring glory to somebody who said a bunch of things 2,000 years ago that made sense and were good. We exist to bring glory to God who loved us so much that in spite of our sin, gave his own self, his own flesh, his own son, so that we might be saved. And some of you might be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself in that moment, I don't really know that I've thought of Jesus in that way before. I've really only thought about the fact that he taught good things and said good things and did good things and maybe was a leader that people needed in the moment, but I've never imagined that he is today a living savior. Peter and John are declaring that he's not only the Messiah, but they're declaring that he raised from the dead, and they're saying that to a group of people that did not believe in resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe that resurrection was even possible, and now Peter and John are claiming that Jesus did it, and that in him we can do it too. In him we can live forever too. So maybe today is the day for you to say, okay, I'm in. I'm not going to date Jesus anymore. I'm not just going to like get to know him better and, and casually hang out with him and, and, and maybe go to church where other people. Look, I'm literally going to invest. I'm ready to, 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 to dedicate my life to Christ, to become his disciple, his follower, to be saved by his blood, to go into that water and to commit to the life of a local church where as a team we declare that Jesus is not only all those things, good moral teacher, great revolutionary leader, but he is the only Savior. i got to get with verse 3. It says they seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put him in jail to the next day, but, but many who heard the message believed. Get this. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000, and there were also women, and there were also children, and so the church is literally growing by the thousands at this point. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas. If you recognize those names, it's because you've heard of them at Easter. They were part of the Jewish ruling class who arrested, tried, and ultimately turned Jesus over to the Roman government to be crucified. We're only about a month and a half out from that at this moment. Literally six to eight weeks prior to this conversation, Peter and John had seen those same two leaders arrest Jesus, try Jesus, and turn him over. Talk about trauma, and now we're sitting before them? Imagine being in front of the guys who were responsible in your mind for the death of your Lord. And here they are, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. It's a whole entourage of people who are here, and they've arrested. Are we next? Can you imagine the thoughts that were running through their mind? They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. On what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't do this by himself. He was given power when the Holy Spirit came on him. He said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, and not only you, but all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ, Savior, Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. 
resurrection, that this man stands before you healed. And then he made a connection. He looked at the dots of the Old Testament and said, Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the the cornerstone. This is the foundation. This is the most important stone of the building. Salvation, verse 12, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized, hey, these are unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. How many of y'all feel unschooled and ordinary? Sometimes. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. Here's the evidence. Here's the proof. This guy's standing. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. Like we can't not see what we've seen. We can't not see this miracle. But to stop this thing from, they thought they could stop this thing from spreading. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, again, subtext, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to who Jesus was right there in the middle of Jerusalem. They said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I have no idea why the Bible gives that final detail. Like, is it throwing shade on all of us who have advanced past the age of 40? Maybe so. Um, is the miracle any more special because the guy was over 40 when he walked than it would have been had he been 15 or had he been 65? I have no idea why the Bible tells us that this man was over 40 years old other than the proof in the pudding that the name of Jesus Christ brings power and it brings healing. And this is the thing that we're supposed to testify about. If you skip down to verse 32, this is where lives are being changed. It says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify. With great power, Acts 1-8, from the Holy Spirit, they continued to bear witness about Jesus right here in Jerusalem to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from the time that those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anybody who had need. There's a lot in this story. And it's time Move away some of the boulders. Attack some of the things that need to be attacked in our lives so that we can focus on on what really matters. And it's you and I in power bearing witness to who Jesus is. Bringing a testimony of God's power to other people so that they can say, hey, this is it right here. God has a plan. Being a people of God Reaching out to others means to say to them that this is the plan that God has. It says in Acts 4.12, 
Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. What relationships do you need to invest in? Who do you know that needs to know God's glorious plan from start to finish to provide them love and to offer them salvation? We just did a series last year and it was these five eyes and it was this whole picture of us identifying people around us who need to know Jesus and praying for them, interceding on their behalf, investing in those relationships, understanding, hey, it's time for me to dig in and to dive deep and to embrace this relationship so that I can inform people what this good gospel story is and invite them to know and to follow Jesus. Who do you need to in the power of the Holy Spirit tell? Who needs to know that there's a plan and that it's Jesus? Who do you want to occupy the empty seat that's next to you in the life of this church so that we can continue to reach people for Christ and then nurture them in faith? Like, who do you want to reach out to and talk about with Jesus? Because God has a plan and you're part of it to be his witnesses in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, and then all the way around to the end of the world to be somebody who communicates the love and the hope and the peace of Jesus that you've found in him. we got to testify to the power of God. Hey, I've been healed. Hey, my life has been changed. And I've seen it not just in me, but, but also in other people. In what way do you need to tap into some kind of Holy Spirit boldness and, and speak freely and openly about the fact that you're on Pinterest too? Okay, no. That you're a believer in Jesus. Like, who needs to know? Who have you been shying away from telling that, hey, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. I believe this word, like all 66 books of it, even the really hard parts of it. And, and I don't understand and know how in the world it happened, but I believe that if this book says that waters parted, they parted. And I believe that if this book says that, that giants fell, then that means they fell. I believe that if this book says, I don't know how it happened, if the lions, hungry lions, shut their mouths, then they in fact shut their mouths. I believe somehow or another that by the power of God, lame people walked and blind people see. And I myself am a living testimony to the power of God that literally transforms the lives of wretched sinful people and allows them to come into the saving grace of God. That is power. Like, I'm somebody who believes that God spoke then and that he still speaks today. I'm somebody that believes that God healed then and that he still heals today. There's power here, and somebody that you know that's not here needs to know that because they don't think there's hope, and they don't know where love is. They don't know where peace is found. Somewhere or another, you get to say, this is how I've experienced the goodness of God, and I want to be a living testimony. I can't help but speak about and tell about what I've experienced, not just to a few people, but to all people. Because this reaching out thing means everybody. It, it means every. Body. And there was a byproduct of what was going on in the lives of the apostles. Verse 33 says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's grace was working so powerfully in them that there were no needy persons among them. The byproduct of the word being taught and lives being changed is always people being cared for. It's why we're here. 
And sometimes I ask, and sometimes there are people here who, who ask this question, why did God preserve this location? Why did Rolling Hills, the Nashville campus, become this, this merger of three churches together? There was a, a moment in not so long ago history where, where this building, this property, about since 1909, there's been a church here. And there was a moment when it was massive and nobody could have missed it. But then there was a season where God was whittling it down and whittling it away to do a a new thing here. And that's why we're Rolling Hills Community Church, the, the Nashville campus, sitting on this property. But what if we weren't? What if what if we just ceased to exist? We'd all know it, but would anybody else? Would the world and the neighborhood around us miss us if we were gone? Would there be needs in this community that would go unmet because we weren't here? Would there be people in this community who were not cared for because we weren't here? Would there be unreached people who remained unreached and did not know the powerful plan of God to love them so much that they chose to follow him with their whole lives because we weren't here anymore? Would this whole area of town, would this Hope, would Middle Tennessee miss us if we were gone? Would they even notice the byproduct of the word being taught and lives being changed was people being cared for? There's a, a thought leader and a resource that I subscribe to. His name is Justin Gibney, and he and a team of other leaders in Atlanta came up with something called the AND campaign, and it has nothing to do with either or. It's literally both AND. It's this picture of being able to take very important social justice issues and passionately pursue those without compromising any of the biblical values and theological orthodoxies that you're built on. It's, it's, it's a both and. There are some people who think that you can't be true to what the Bible says to be true to and still pursue social justice. There's some people that think that you cannot pursue social justice without abandoning what the Bible says. Scott Saul is a pastor in our community. He's smart and wise, and he said this just this week. To talk about Jesus and be silent about justice misses so very much concerning Jesus. And to talk about justice and be silent about Jesus misses so very much concerning justice. Like, you can be both things. In fact, if you're going to do one thing well, you have to be about the other. It's, it's and. This thing matters because only one rules. It ultimately is all about Jesus. He's the reason justice matters. He's the reason people are cared for. He's the reason that lives are changed. We go back to the wisdom words that we started with. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.6 that there's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Some of us are doing that right now because at the beginning of the year, it's time to clean out the closets and make room for new stuff and just to start out in an an organized frame of mind. What is the thing that you need to keep working for, striving for, learning about, leaning into? And what are the things that you need to abandon, even the goals that you need to shelve so that you can passionately pursue what Jesus has for you? What are the things that we got to get rid of so we can make room for new things. These words from Ecclesiastes, they find themselves in a part of biblical literature called wisdom, and it's all about wise words to follow, and a whole big swatch of it doesn't even appear to be talking about God at all, but in the end you get Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 11, and it says these words of the wise are like goads. That's a word that a lot of us have to look up because we didn't really know what it meant. It's a cattle prod. 
all those words in Ecclesiastes, all that wisdom, it's like a cattle prod. Cattle prods, I, I imagine that they hurt, but they point us in the right direction. Sometimes these words are tough, but they steer us in the right path. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Have you ever walked out onto an old deck barefoot and realized that there was a nail sticking up out of the wood? That's harsh. We don't want those kind of nails. We want firmly embedded nails, ones that aren't going to wear out and pop up over time. We want that deck to be secure. You look at this passage of Scripture and you understand that all of those words from Ecclesiastes are to point us in the right direction and are to keep our feet secure. And it says they're given by one Shepherd, shepherd was a metaphor that was used all over the Old Testament, connecting the dots to the New Testament and all over the New Testament to talk about who God is. The most famous king that he selected for his people, Israel, David, started out as a shepherd. Book of Ezekiel, God's rescuing his people and he says, I myself will be their shepherd. Jesus Christ looks at the audience of people that had gathered around him and he says, I am the good shepherd. And some of your Bible translations actually take Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 11 and they capitalize those words, one shepherd, so that we make no mistake. These words are given by God. These truths come from him. We are to be a people of God reaching out, making sure that everybody around us knows the goodness of God's plan and the availability of his power that is for all people. That is the only thing that matters. And one thing that we have to know about reaching out is that if we're not actively reaching out, then it's probably because we're keeping others out. If you fast forward in Peter's life, it was no longer just the Jerusalem around him that he was bearing witness to. There came a moment in Acts chapter 10 where he had this dream about unclean animals. And to summarize that whole moment, God was saying to him, you need to reach out beyond the group of people that you've been reaching out. In fact, there's a whole group of people, the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, people that are outside of Jewish blood and faith. They get to come too. And so in Acts chapter 11, Peter is literally hanging out, cohabitating with, with, with a Gentile, somebody that's not Jewish. And, and the other disciples and the other members of the church, they come and they're like, wait, what are you doing? And he goes to defend it. And he's saying, hey, no more. How, who am I to say that these people that God has given the same power to are not worthy of this same exact gospel? If we're not actively reaching out, we are probably keeping others out because there's nobody outside this room that doesn't need to know that God has a plan and he has a purpose and that he alone is power. So we ask ourselves today, okay, it's the start of a brand new year. Who will God redeem this year? Whose life will be transformed this year? Who will experience salvation this year? Who will believe that Jesus is the Christ this year because you and I are people of God reaching out. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. And thank you for the chance to be in this place. Thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. And God, our prayer remains that you would help us to take it and to apply it to where we understand it. We can put our initials on it and say, okay, I got this. There are people all around me that need to know that you have a plan. There are people all around me that need to know that you are power. There are people all around me that need to know that you can heal. 
There are people all around me that need to know that you love. And so God, would you give us boldness by the power of your spirit to speak about the thing that we've seen and that we've heard and that's that you're good. We don't want to be a people who could ever be accused of keeping others out. We want to be a people who are sold out to welcoming others in. So help us to be that, God, in everyday life, wherever we go. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. That's the end of the episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a sermon. Also, don't keep this sermon to yourself. Share it with your friends and family. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, go ahead and download our app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. Happy New Year and happy 20th anniversary, church. We hope you'll continue to join us this year and beyond as we keep reaching out, growing up, and giving all together.